We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. It is the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined today by Terrence Oglesby and by the one and only Doug Gottlieb out on the West Coast. It's early for you, man. Me and Terrence are getting tired over here on, on uh, East Coast time. We're, we're dragging a little bit, but we got the energy. I'm ready to go. I did not fall asleep watching Wisconsin Badgers basketball. I did. I did. You did? All right. <laughs> I got close. I had to battle it off, man. That was wait, wait, they wait, are wait, brutal. Wait, wait. Rob, Rob, can I show you something? Yeah. Okay. What these are? There we go. There we go. There we go. When, That's what when, I'm talking about. When, when, when Terrence was a player, okay, we were talking, I think it was in Hawaii, at the Diamond Head Classic, I think. It might have been Puerto Rico. I don't know. All those it was Puerto Rico. It was Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. Yep. Puerto Rico, I don't remember because we went out drinking with the refs. And I'm sorry. There was, there was a lot of rum and whatever. But we got to talking, and I was like, hey, man, you know what I could really use? I want some of those Clemson shorts. He's like, I got you. You're like, okay, you know, you talk to a college kid and they all say something nice. They just want you to say something nice about it on TV. I get home to Connecticut and a couple weeks later, package came in the mail from Terrence Oglesby, game shorts. So I still got them. I, I've never gotten a pair of game shorts. As a matter of fact, Yo was supposed to bring me a shipment of T-shirts when I saw him in New York last week. Tio, where are those T-shirts right now? I don't know, dude. You were wearing them over top of all your other shirts that you were wearing there. You looked like you were going to a Sugar Ray concert. I was ready. Like, 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 yeah, he did. He had his long sleeve white shirt underneath the shirt that I sent him. I think you got the shirt too. It was a little chilly up there, man. What do you want? It was. It was. It was. was. I'll give you that. Nippling out. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I was trying to avoid. You know. I got to look classy out here. All right. Uh, Big game of the night was Illinois going into Milwaukee to take on Marquette. They lost. It was about as bad of a final five minutes as you can see from a point guard, from uh, Andre Curbelo. Doug, you are a point guard. Talk to me a little bit about what happened to Curbelo down the stretch. Well, look, Curbelo last year, you know, they were smart. They used him off the bench. And he's, I mean, he's one of those guys that, I don't know, I don't know the expression, T.O., you guys used to use, but we'd say play for both teams. He's a play for both teams guy, right? Where you he's make the play, oh shit, and then he makes a play like, oh my god, he's just giving you like that. I mean, he there was three plays in a row. They have complete control of the game. He drives to his right and and gets kind of hung up and shoots it and misses a drive. Like okay, then he drives and um, the kid from uh, the transfer from Oklahoma, 
Um, huh? Kuaf, right? Kuaf. Kerr Kuaf. Kerr Kuaf. Yeah. I mean, Kerr blocks it the first time. The second time he drives it, like, it wasn't, he didn't even smack it. He just went and kind of just grabbed it. It was so bad. And I mean, it, then it just got progressively worse where he was lost. But, you know, last year they used to have the ability to take him out when he get wild and sit him. And I think this year, especially when you don't have the big kid, when you know, you know, that you need somebody to create, but it was a mess. And then, um, you know, then they, they had a lead and I thought they were, they were trying to dribble into a foul and Williams has the ball mid court and like no spatial awareness at all. They come and double him from the backside. It did look like a kickball, didn't it? Like, didn't yeah, that I think so too. but, but just like, that can't happen. And we, it, it, there's a lot of things in college basketball you see that you don't see at a, a, a lower level, right? You don't see teams really loading to the basketball, okay? You don't see some of the plays, some of the ball movement, some of the creativity you don't see, right? But you always see pressure and traps, especially end of the games. And I was just, I was blown away by how bad Illinois was in that pressure. But Curbelo was the biggest, I mean, he was what? four of 18 and he had eight turnovers, but I mean, those last two drives that were pinned were just as good as turnovers, never looking to pass off penetration. And then defensively he loses his guy as well. I mean, that was a game that they just gave away. And, you know, I can tell you, I mean, Brad on the way home is just going to be chewing some ass, but God Cabela was, I mean, he's really the re- he playing for both teams. That one was like, he was helping Marquette more. He's helping, like helping Illinois, what a disaster over the last five minutes. See, how do you how do you fix that? Is that is that just a confidence thing? Is that they don't have Kofi and he's not sure how to operate without him? Is that uh, you're asking a guy to step into a role that maybe he's not ready for? Or is that just something where he lost his mind for a game and he's going to be fine moving forward? Like, what? How, how do you fix this? How do you move forward if you're Illinois? It's hard to fix it because he hadn't been able to shoot the ball well enough to make guys respect him outside. So it seemed like everybody was packing in. And not only that, he was trying to get into the paint in weird ways. He was backing down and then trying to create space and then trying to create help situations. But it was one of those things. I, I've never seen anything quite like it. Complete tunnel vision. I think he ended up with four or five turnovers there in the last, I think four turnovers in the last three and a half minutes, just because him trying to get into the middle of the paint to create something. And those are some of the things you have to live with. But the difference between this year's team and last year's team, last year had Ayo Desumnu that was able to figure out things. Great closer. Great closer. And he's so, yeah. And he was somebody that he didn't have to, he, he could do it on his own and Curbelo doesn't have that type of athleticism to make it happen. And he can't shoot the ball. So they're just packing, they're just packing the paint on him. It was kind of, it was rough to watch. I, I was disappointed with that, but I was also disappointed in Trip Frazier because that's a fifth year senior. Like he's been there a long time. He should understand. I, I Now my first thought was they better foul. And then those blind traps, whenever I played for Oliver and, and, and Shaka was there at that time, uh, they would all, we would always send blind traps at the ball handler. If his back was turned, that's when you go. And I, I was thinking, well, they're going to foul. And I think that's what Illinois was thinking, too. They got into their best free throw shooter's hands. They're going to foul. We're going we're to try to close it out on the defensive end. Well, he had no spatial awareness, as you said. I, I think the way you fix that, you send some wrong way screens at him. You load, you load one side up, and then you try to – Gosh, create some space for him, but gosh, uh, was it Kirk Quath? He was, he was, he was awesome. He was awesome. Hey, 
Hey, I, I got, there's a bunch of things that's like rolling in my mind and uh, Rob, I apologize, but I'm looking at the photo what? over T.O.'s shoulder, okay? And this is an interesting thing. I had a conversation with somebody earlier today about never asking players to do something that you know they're not capable of. <laughs> there's a prime example right there. <laughs> no, not you, not, not you, okay? Paulus, right? Yeah. So Paulus is at Duke and, you know, Duke, has played the same back then. And they still kind of play the same way where, Hey, we're just going to take you out of what you want to do. We're going to press you all over the court. And I feel bad for Greg Paulus, but like he couldn't do it. I mean, T.O. look at T.O. is about to abuse him right now. Right. About to put him on a highlight. And I I think you got to, you really got to know your guys and know what they're capable of. And DeMonte Williams is a very good shooter, but he is not a natural ball handler. And so there's a situation there where you have to, you know, end of game, you have to have pressure counters. You have to have guys flashing and ball moving because really the only guy on that club, and I would disagree with a little bit of uh, deal about Curbelo because he does have some shit to him. He can handle, he can break it. The problem is the decision-making once he gets in the lane, you know, it's way too fancy, right? There was an over-the-shoulder pass for no reason. Yeah. Um, or there's a little bit of a selfish gene where he's trying to win it by himself. But I I think to answer your question, Rob, how you have to handle that is you got to put guys in situations that they can best succeed. You got to know your guys. Mm -hmm. And, um, and look, I, you know, Io was not, did did he win the the Bob Cousy award? He was up for the, and I vote for the Cousy award. Like this is stupid. He he was not a point guard. He's a very good passer for a wing, but see when you have multiple ball handlers last year, they could take him out or last year, you know, DeSumo could get the basketball and obviously you can throw it to the big guy, but, you know, Kofi can't make a free throw. So um, I would say that the way to handle it is put guys in positions where they can succeed. You have to have a delay game uh, sort of offense and you got to have pressure counters and guys flashing. But they, it, 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 that play didn't lose them the game. It was the succession of not having an offense, getting sped up and Curbelo making error after error after error. And the worst part about it is, you know, when your point guard is driving in and getting a shot block, they didn't have good defensive balance. When your point guard is driving in and turn the basketball over, you don't have defense balance. You're better off getting a 30 second shot clock violation where you can set your defense. Cause Marquette couldn't score in the half court. Right. They can score though. When they're going two on one and one on one and three on two, they can score. And that was the part that killed. Them. Well, let me, let me, Resay what I was saying. I was saying like a wrong way ball screen, maybe have some ball movement, get him on one side with an empty side to where he would have some space. But he was trying to penetrate from the top after putting his back to the ball, back to the basket. And then he tried to turn and face and it made it difficult. And they just, they, Kowath was just so good covering space. And the fact that he can't shoot, it hurts. I, I think Corbello is one of the best whenever he has space. But, man, they shut it down on him tonight. It was, and that one behind, it was in a crucial part of the game, that behind-the-head pass. If that pass is on target to Trent Frazier, that's a bucket. Okay. That's yeah. a bucket. You can forget about it. But he just he couldn't put it on a dime. It was doing too much. And I think this is an underrated part because he's such a fiery dude. Yeah. Man, that place was rocking tonight. I mean, yeah. Shaka was juiced. You saw him over at the sideline the first yeah, two that, minutes. That's went bananas. Point. I just wanted to mention something real quick because, Doug, you mentioned putting players in a position where they can succeed. And I think we saw that kind of to a T with this Marquette team and Shaka Smart tonight. They're, 
they're not really all that talented, but they have guys that have specific skills that can do certain things. You know, Darren Moschel can kind of get out and pressure the ball. He's a very, very good defensive player. You got a rim protector. You got Justin Lewis, switchable, everything you want out of guys. This felt like the kind of shocker team that we expected to see when he got to Texas, but it feels, and look, it's one, it's one big win oh, yeah. struggle against two mid majors, but you can kind of see, what he wants to build in a performance like this, right? Yes, without any question. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing when he took the Texas job is I, we all, my friends and I, the guys that, you know, live around Texas basketball, like it could work, but you'd have to not take the five-star big guys, you know, yeah. like the junkyard dog. Well, I mean, when Marquette was really rolling, the type of guys that they won with, were the type of guys that he could win with. So I agree. Um, I, I still, I'm a little, and, and it's kind of a bigger discussion I've had on my pod with coaches about why people don't play fast, why they don't, why they don't run and jump, why they don't really play as much havoc. You know, they're picking up full court, but it's, it's not the same type of pressure. And I still think that coaches, even Shaka, they get a little conservative because there's such respect for kids' ability to shoot the three now. You know, and you, if you play, if you really play all out, if you really press the whole game, if you really try and trap the basketball, there's going to be nights and teams, they're going to beat you by 20 and it's going to be bad. Now there's going to be other teams you're going to run out of the building because they can't handle pressure, you know? Yep. And, but so a, a lot of guys have gotten conservative, but in terms of does it, it's so much is about fit, right? It coaches about fit, just not players. And I do think Marquette, fits Shaka more than Texas Fitch. Texas was a job he couldn't turn down, but a job that he probably should have turned down in hindsight. Yeah. And the other part of it is that when you, when you press the way that, that uh, Shaka smarts teams did at VCU, you're relying on other teams to make mistakes. That's kind of what you're building your, your program around and your team around and your, your game plan around. And obviously that worked tonight. Andre Cabello had seven of Illinois 26 turnovers. Uh, T.O. you did play for Shaka. So I just, before we get into this interview with Daryl Marceau, we got that coming up in a minute. I just want to know what is his energy like? What is the practice like with Shaka Smart? Why are these guys playing so hard for this dude? Well, keep in mind he was an assistant there, but his presence about him then was definitely noticeable. But if I can go back and talk a little bit about what he's doing with Marquette right now, he knew that his team wasn't as talented as Illinois. So what does he do? He junks the game up. Yeah. He's got he's got big time rim protection in the back. You can get a little bit top heavy. Kolick, to be honest with you, uh, Doug, like reminds me a little of me. I mean, he's probably better off the dribble, but a little bit slow. If you put him on the backside of some of their pressure stuff, like you can hide the fact that yeah, you can you can hide it. You can hide it. You can hide it. You can hide some of your non athletes. I don't know if you put him on the backside. The backside, you really have to be able to rotate, but you can make up for it with your mind and anticipation. Mm-hmm. But I think you have a guy who can really protect the rim. And you just, you know, funnel stuff and pressure and like, go ahead, <laughs> you know, go ahead, yeah. go back there. The shit's coming out anyway. And he is really good, not just at blocking shots, but sometimes faking it. You know, mm-hmm. he's got soft hands and how he blocks it. Like there's an art to it. So, yeah, he, he jumped that sucker up. And, and, you know, it's interesting, Illinois, you know, when we last saw them, they lost in the tournament to uh, Loyola. And that was a completely, you know, just really loading up on the basketball and they wouldn't throw the skip pass to the corner. Uh, this one, I thought they, I thought they did a pretty good job against the pressure. And again, to the, to the, the last five minutes, and then you get sped up, 
mm-hmm. and you get to where you're, you know, you're looking at that clock. Oh shit. We haven't scored in forever. And yeah, then they, they got caught up in the, the style and they, they, they getting sped up, I think is the best way to explain it. Cabello, the most obvious victim of it, but they mm-hmm. all kind of got that way. Well, another big part too is, is you have to stay consistent with it because there's going to be times like there were, there were a couple of runs today by Illinois where they'd hit three threes in a row and Trent Frazier got really hot, like, and hit those, but Shaka stayed with it. And even though you give up a little, some of those in the short term, it's, there's a wear down effect. You see it a little bit, but to a different extent with Florida state, like they just keep sending waves of guys at you, that pressure in a different manner that Marquette's going to, they're going to have to do that to win because compared to the to top of the Big East, compared to the top of the Big East, they just don't have as much talent. Yeah, so we'll, the star of the night for Marquette was Daryl Moschel. He finished with 21 points. He was 7 for 12 from the floor, hit three threes, had five boards, uh, forced a couple of important turnovers down the stretch. And we have him joining us on the field of 68 after dark right now. And now I'm thrilled to be joined by Marquette star Daryl Morsell, fresh off of a win over number 10 Illinois. So first and foremost, Daryl, congrats, man. How you feeling right now? Thank you. Um, I'm tired right now, um, but it's great, great, great to get that win tonight. You know, Pfizer was jumping. Um, we had a top 10 team coming to our, our arena um, and we got the win. So I feel great. I'm excited. I'm just looking forward, you know, to keep building with this group of guys and, and winning some more games. But I'm tired right now for sure. It's the good kind of tired, though, right? The good kind <laughs> of tired. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you this. You never scored 20 when uh, when you were at Maryland. You transferred to Marquette, and now all of a sudden you're a bucket. Like, what what happened? You scored 20 in all three of your games so far this season. Um, It's kind of I, – I, it's a lot of different things that probably go into that. You know, we play a different style of offense here at Marquette. Um, I'm in a lot more ball screens. Uh, but, you know, just having Coach Smart just instilling confidence in me all the time. Um. You know, I talk to him a lot. I'm missing free throws out there late game. He like the next one going for the next one going for. Um, so, you know, that's half the battle right now, right there. Just having confidence um, and just having a head guy being more confident in, in, in you than you even are yourself. Um, it's a great feeling. And it's, you know, just allow me to, you know, open my game, expand my game. Um, and I work harder. You know, I'm in the gym working on my game, working on different types of shots. So. It's only right I go out there and just play free and, and believe in my work. So let's let's talk about Coach Smart there, Shaka Smart. It's his first year at Marquette. It's your first year at Marquette. I don't know how much you knew each other before uh, you started. he started recruiting you in the transfer market, but, I mean, this is what he's known for, right? He's known for getting guys to play hard. He's known for getting that buy-in. He's known for getting that, that chemistry. What has it been like playing for him for these first, I guess, what is it, six months, seven months, eight months for you now, something like that? Um, so I got here in July. So however long that is, I don't know. That's five, five. Yeah, but that's a lot, that's a lot of math. We don't need to do math here. <laughs> but it's been great, you know, having a guy like him um, that's defensive minded, similar to me, um, and just he, he an individual big on relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just having that relationship off the court, um, it, it helps translate to on the court, um, and I just think. We built a great relationship through the recruiting process. Uh, when I got here, we got even closer. Um, and, it's, you know, it's just been great. He, he's been terrific for me so far. Um, and he's probably the hardest on me out of anybody on the team. But I, I embrace it. 
Um, I know he wants what's best for me. Um, I know he he needs me to be at my best to help the younger guys and stuff like that. So I'm just embracing it, and I enjoy, you know, going to war with somebody like that every day. So the the last two things that have happened in that building that you call home have been the Bucks winning a national title and you guys taking down a top 10 team. Is it five serve magic? Can we go that far yet? Are we ready to call it that? Uh, I mean, it was jumping in there, in there tonight, so it might be a little bit of magic in five for sure. Well, listen, man, I, uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you for being here. Congrats on the win. Now go get some sleep. I know that Coach Smart is going to work you in practice tomorrow. So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Will do. Appreciate you. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. Uh, we also just had a game end. Providence went into Wisconsin and knocked off the Badgers. That's two big wins for the Big East to open up the Gavit games. Um, TL, you're officially a Big I'm East big, guy. Now. I'm a Big East guy. I'm a Big East guy. I love it. I want Seton Hall to go to Michigan and win. Seton Hall to go to Michigan and win. That hey, the the the, uh, the center matchup there between uh, Dickinson and what was it OBI? Pronounce that for me. Pronounce that for me. Ike Obiagu. Oh, Ike Obiagu transferred from Florida State. I think he's one of the best rim protectors in the Big East, or probably the best rim protector in the Big East and one of the better ones in the country. That'll be a fun game to watch if uh, Seton Hall can knock down shots, but Michigan's freaking good, man. It'll be interesting. All right, so we haven't had a chance on the show to break down what happened in the Texas-Gonzaga game on Saturday night. So I figured what better opportunity than right now to talk about it a little bit. So, Doug, I'm going to tee you up on this one first. Uh, Gonzaga beat the brakes off Texas. Are you worried about Texas? Are you impressed with Gonzaga? Uh, is Drew Timmy the best post player since Tyler Hansborough? What do you got out of that game? That was a lot, and I, I'm not worried about Texas. You know, I, I talked to, to Beard a bunch this uh in the preseason and i talked to uh chris ogden's one of my boys i mean you know he's got like the world's most expensive staff right just hey you don't want to be head coach anymore don't worry i'll pay you more money and you can be an assistant <laughs> and um you know i i think this is one of the things with transfers now mm-hmm. right like not everybody transfers just because they like ask uh was De- um what's his name um from modern day Oh God, what am I blanking? Um, um, ask you, right? The, the point yeah, guard. Yeah, Devin Askew. Yeah, Devin Askew. Yeah, like, like we had this deep discussion on it, and he was like, you know, it's a confidence thing. I was like, I just don't know if he's that good. And so they got a bunch of guys that reputation-wise should be good. They're not very, they're not crazy athletic. I'm talking about Texas. Um, they're older. They're pretty skilled. But you know, you walk into a buzzsaw and you know, you got a Gonzaga team that has, uh, yes, Drew Timmy is, I mean, I, I don't know if he, I don't think he's Hansborough. I feel like he's more skilled than Hansborough, whereas Hansborough is just yeah. all effort. Like, he was one of those, Hansborough was one of those guys just played so hard. He was like, a, would be an annoying if he wasn't on your team, you know? Whereas, it was terrible. It was terrible. Timmy was, Timmy's just really skilled. He plays hard too, and he's tough. But man, I mean, he's, for a college kid, he's really, really skilled. He's a ballerina with a with a with a hand. Yeah, I'm I'm big. I'm doing the Movember. Thing. Yeah, I know. That's why. Is that why you have it? Is that yeah, why you I got the? Yeah, I hate mustache. I I I I wouldn't. I'm not so allowed to come within a couple hundred feet of a school because of this damn thing. You have a great take. And you make a great point. You got to do the celebration. That's what you got to do. Yeah. yeah so, I, look, Gonzaga is good, and Texas is talented, but. It's 
you know, look, it's very much a team that was just kind of put together yeah. and to play your first game where they throw it up and you're at the kennel. But I also think that they're not crazy athletic and they're good. Um, I, you know, I, I think that Beard's reputation properly precedes him. But again, if you look at all of his teams, even the best of them, they're not great to start the year. They're going to get That's better right. and better. Whereas Gonzaga is really, really, really freaking good. They're just mm-hmm. really good. And Timmy's a stud. And then, you know, you got Nemhart, who's, you know, been through battles at two different schools. Um, they have some interesting new pieces that we can talk about. But I, I think part of it is Texas, not crazy athletic, not experienced together. And I think Beard's still trying to figure out exactly what he has. And he, he might have, he has one of those uh, problems that coaches always say is a good problem. You got a lot of pieces that are kind of alike. Mm-hmm. And at some point you got to develop, okay, here's my five. And then here's my seven or eight. And there's a couple of guys that they might get pissed and transfer, but oh well. I think the big part too is Nimbard and Timmy, those two guys have been in the system for a year to where yeah. like all the guys that Beard brought in, those they're all brand new to the system. And you're also the guys that returned, you're also kind of reverse engineering what they've learned under Shaka. So right. like Andrew Jones, he he scored it, but he doesn't really does he do winning shit? I mean, I he doesn't when really he do scored, he didn't win. Right back when he was a scorer, they didn't win. Mm-hmm. Right now, all of a sudden, he's trying to fit in. But the reverse engineering is a really good word. That was a they didn't teach that at Oklahoma State. That's a Clemson. <laughs> Quality. It, came, right. it came out. It came out by accident. But but no, I mean you're you're having to reteach these guys. I mean the one guy I will say I really like a lot, Timmy Allen. I thought when they figured out, hey man, we're we're gonna go after Chet Holmgren. We're just gonna go at his chest. I think it started to turn around. They actually beat Gonzaga in the second half. Not that the game's always, you know, it's always fluctuating with ebbs and flows and whatnot, but they, they made some adjustments. And I think a lot of it, Beard is having to teach winning shit and you're doing it at the expense of winning now yeah. to where a lot of times I think, like I brought this example up earlier today when Kentucky went undefeated forever and lost in the lead eight. It's like, well, they that team had problems throughout the year, but because they won, it kind of covered up some of those problems. So yeah. you're you're winning in spite of development to where it's almost and it's not a bad loss, too. I think that's a great thing about it. It's like if you lose it, it was like, oh, well, you lost it. Did you win lose by 20? Yeah, it looks kind of bad, but it's not. Coaches really love good. it when you lose when you lose early in the season and you know you're gonna go to the tournament. Coaches love that shit, right? Because then they can yeah, oh, you guys thought your you guys thought your big time. You know yeah. what's gonna be amazing is gonna be Rasir Bolton, how that Ooh, you know, he was good. He was really he was, good. He was really good, and he's always been talented. You know, but I mean, how about the dude's been in two schools in two years and both those coaches got fired and, you know, and, and they, they've had, they've had more, more issues with the dad than with him, mm-hmm. but they all, all the staffs be like, look, it is not a talent thing. And it's really interesting on how, when you take a kid who's been in <clears throat> two different environments and the coaches got fired, like Iowa state, you know, that thing just went bad in a hurry, but now you put him in a culture of Gonzaga does the kid bring others down or they bring everybody else up? And everything I've heard is he's been great and he's assimilated their culture. It's kind of the power of being in Spokane, the power of being on a team that, you know, lost the national championship game. Like, Hey, our shit works. Your shit doesn't. But that one's going to be a really interesting one to pay attention to. So I do want to ask you guys just real quick about Texas. How long do you think it'll take to kind of get everybody acclimated to that style of play right like picking up the nobital defense picking up the motion offense that they run is not going to be uh, the easiest thing in the world especially when you have a new coaching staff 
Uh, and all of the, like you mentioned, Tio, all of the, the returning players are essentially new players within these current programs. So um, is there an amount of time that you expect? And, and will the return of Dylan, I, I don't even know how to say his last, Daisu, Disu, Disu, whatever, whatever his name is, it, will that have an impact, Tio? You go first on that one. Yeah, because he was probably the best transfer, truth be told. I mean, he was, what was he, Vanderbilt's leading rebounder. He can really stretch the floor. He's strong as an ox. He would have given them some more size because I'll be, I looked at them last night. I thought they looked really small. I mean, Chet Holmgren's out there at Beanpole, and then Drew Timmy's not small either. And Texas at times, they looked like a bunch of switchable six five six sixes, but they didn't really have that big presence. And Trey Mitchell came in but struggled. So it was kind of – I think he can come in and give them some big minutes. Uh, I would say middle to end of January is when they're going to start clicking it, because you're setting a tone. You got all new guys. They still need to figure each other out. And I, uh, Frank Martin said this at the Asheville championships. He said, guys are very unselfish during the summer. And then when they start to play each other, uh, play with each other during the games, you have to kind of, change their minds a little bit more as you go on throughout the season. And you got to keep in mind seven guys averaging double figures last season on that squad. They're going to take a while to kind of figure out who's going to be the guy, who's going to be the alpha of the group, but that along with defensive principles, what they can and can't get away with under beard, they're still learning that. I mean, shoot, they're two games in. How in the world would they know? Well, remember they got the, you got Northern Colorado, San Jose, Cal Baptist, Sam Houston, Rio Grande, they do play Seton Hall, but UAPB, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Stanford, mm-hmm. you know, Rice, Incarnate Word, you know, they got a bunch of dubs here. They'll figure it out in the next. I mean, that's what we used to, we used to call it preseason. Now it's non-conference, whatever. Like, it's still the preseason. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. figure it. And they even open up Big 12 play at K-State, which will be a good, tough environment, but it's before the students come back. Mm-hmm. And they play Oklahoma State, who's really athletic, but just okay. You know, they lost to Oakland. I think they'll be fine by, you know, conference play, they'll have a better sense. And they'll, they'll probably be a, a stretch in the middle of conference play where somebody will leave, you know, and they'll, or they'll, they'll play poorly, but Mike, Chris is really, really good. And I do think that, you know, he coached in the ABA one of his years out. And I think that, that along with, um, you know, Juco. some of the lower, you know, some Juco, like it's a different type of managing things, you know, you, 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 you learn, I think, better to manage losses at that level. Mm. It doesn't, the losses don't hurt you as personally as much as at the very high, you know, when you're normally at Duke or Kentucky or Kansas, like you're trying to go 35 and up, right? Where with Beard, it's just about getting better and it's a little bit transactional. Who's available tonight? Who wants to play? Who doesn't? We may lose a guy, we may add a guy, whatever, and you got to kind of roll with it. So I think his particular style, uh, it'll be fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm T I'm basically with you. I mean, it's going to be, it'll be a while till they figure it out, but those guarantee games are, you know, great coaching tools. They'll, they'll just out talent those teams, yeah. but you'll see him tweak with the lineups. You'll see him play a little bit left-handed. And I, I think, you know, he'll figure it out by conference play. And by the way, is the big 12 any good? Like really? I, I love my league. I just, you know, Baylor lost so much. They'll be good. I think Kansas is pretty damn good. That's actually a perfect segue, Doug, because I want to know who you guys think is the best team in college basketball right now. I think for my money, there's four that we can put into the conversation, right? Okay. There's Gonzaga. Okay. There's UCLA. 
there's Duke, and there's Kansas. And if there's anyone else that you think belongs in that conversation, please let me know. But for my money, it's those four teams right now that have a stake to the claim at number one in college basketball. Is it Gonzaga, Doug? Sure. I mean, for now, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, I, I went to the UCLA game, and I thought Villanova was a little bit better. Villanova kind of had the game won. Mm-hmm. There was a sequence there with, like, two, two and a half to go where they missed back-to-back layups. And Gillespie missed the layup, I think, with under under two to go, and they were up seven, maybe. So they they probably should have won that game. And I, I think Villanova is in the conversation of that kind of that next wave. And I think UCLA is good. They'll be much better when Peyton yes. um, gets some legs under him. Like, he couldn't play in that game. That, those no. are grown men, you know. They, I don't know if you guys know this. He, he couldn't get – didn't get a loose ball in overtime. That's why they pulled him in overtime. They tried to play him. And uh, he, they just, he's just physically not ready. So I think UCLA still has another gear when they have him as part of their more natural rotation, when he can play with some of the older guys, because they have great size. That's a big outside of their point guard. And I mean, that kid's a, he's tough as hell. Yeah, he is. But they, you know, they can switch everything and they're not running anything special offensively, just kind of isolating you and getting good spacing on the weak side. UCLA is good, but I, I'd say Gonzaga because I think Chet, he's just playing college basketball. It stands reason in two months he'll be really comfortable and really good. He's still going to be skinny. And then they have Timmy, who's a walking bucket. Um, the other pieces are still evolving. I would say Gonzaga is still above everybody else. I would put Kansas right underneath them. I think Duke, you know, those two freshmen, and Pablo is, whoo, shit, is he good? Mm. And I think by February, I wouldn't be surprised if Duke is above that of UCLA or above that of something. But right now, I would go with the teams that have a couple of the older kids, uh, like like a Gonzaga would be one. And then two, I'm probably going to go with a UCLA three. I mean, Nova's right there. And then the, the Dukes and then or maybe Kansas right there in that and then Duke and then Kentucky. I so my only quibble is is with Villanova in that same mix, just because I can see where every other team can grow, right? You can see where there is room for a season. We haven't seen Kansas with Jalen Wilson yet, and we haven't seen Kansas with Remy Martin doing everything that Phil Self wants him to do at this point. Uh, we haven't seen Duke. Remy Martin's Remy Martin's a play for both teams guy though now too. Oh, he is. He will, yeah, he, he will is. throw that shit in the stands. He will take uh, some shots. But but Bill is we had Sean Miller guy. on. We had Sean Miller on. And I think this was the perfect way to phrase it. He said, "Remy Martin is is one of those guys that drives both coaches crazy." <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it, once Jalen Wilson comes back, then you'll be able to you'll be able to bring him off the bench and play him a little bit more sporadically because he he he, he kind of provides what I did, kind of that spurt ability to where he can get you like eight to ten. And yeah. blow a game open, but he could also yeah. turn it over twice or airball it three times or whatever the hell I did. I got to ask you a question that, uh, here because I'm thinking about Chet Holmgren, and I was watching his demeanor I'm glad, yesterday. I'm glad we're talking about this. Go. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I, I was watching his demeanor because to me, like you could see him saying to Timmy, like it's all day they can't guard you. Where is the balance between? Him being like, I'm being a team guy, that's working, we're going to go, because they're not going to play many teams that Drew Timmy's not going to dominate. So, like, between him asserting himself and him pulling back, I think, like, for his next level potential, like, that's going to be interesting to follow moving forward. I, I'm curious your thoughts, though, right there. Oh, in, because- terms of his, in terms of his in alpha? 
Yeah, that's um, that, that's the thing because it seems to me like he could be, but I it was mean, like he I was mean, kind of. Like, my my thing is like. My I, thing I think is, he absolutely is an alpha. Not not. To I, would, I think he absolutely is an alpha. Just the way that he's carried himself at every level until he's gotten to Gonzaga. I think he absolutely is an alpha. And I also do think that when you part of the reason he went to Gonzaga is because he understood, okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to fit into what they already have going. And if that means kind of being second fiddle to Drew Timmy, who by the way, is probably going to end up being the national player of the year. I, I, I get it. I understand it, but I do think there's a, the, the image that always stands out to me. And I know this was like a, a setup fake game for TV or whatever, but when they played Amani Bates on that national TV game, do you, you guys remember that? And seeing mm-hmm. him walk down court after he crossed up Amani at half court, went and dunked on the whole team with three minutes left, walking down court, tapping his chest, saying, that's all this. This is my shit. That's all this. Like that. I don't think that that was fake. And it could have been fake. It could have been fake. I, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Uh, that's not my thing. My thing is, you look at Pablo's body, look at his body. That's it. That's that's what I've been saying. And, and, and everybody everybody yeah. just assumes like, well, he's going to get older and he's going to put on size. But like, uh-uh. we all know guys that like, they, they can't do it. No. And, and what does he look like when he puts on size? And, and I don't, I haven't seen his measurements. Is he really long or is he just yeah. skinny? Oh no. Is he's he really long or is he just skinny? It's like a seven, five wingspan. Okay. Yeah. He's a, I mean, he's a genetic freak. I just, the only guy that's really able to get away with being like a bag of bones and dominate in the NBA is Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe he is Kevin Durant. If he's uh, Kevin Durant, then, uh, but what, what people forget about Kevin Durant and this was, it was a really, I don't, who, who told me this? It was when, um, uh, uh, what's the cat? Oh, God. He's played for the Lakers. Now he's with the Pelicans. Uh, he's he's Ingram. been hurt. Brandon. Uh, Ingram. Everybody's like, oh, Brandon Ingram's next Kevin Durant. Like, you know, Kevin Durant averaged like over 10 boards a game at Texas. Like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a different, they, they, they may be, he may be an inch shorter and he may be skinny and he may be skilled, but Kevin Durant, Danny Manning said Kevin Durant was the best basketball player to ever play on the floor at fog out that's what he told bill self right there's a different level of bad motherfucker that kevin durant was and no, I one, Chet- no one should ever be compared to kevin durant like, can we right. let, let's just put stuff there right now but that tall who can handle and shoot like i'm trying to I, like i would have a hard time i'm gonna have a hard time especially now when they're changing the NBA and the officiating mm-hmm. going like looking at Pablo's body and look at Chet's body and go like, I'm going to take Chet. Right. I just, no, way. no it, I, I said after the Duke game, whenever they blew the doors off of Kentucky, I was like, that might be, I didn't say, I didn't say mine. I said, I think that Paolo Bancaro is the best NBA prospect that Kay has ever had. And I'm not backing Ooh. off of that statement. He I'm not so. backing. And the reason being, what doesn't he do one? He's supremely skilled. He's 6'10 and he's 250. They people are going to compare him to Chet. To me, there's no comparison. The fact you that know, they like, just this, went this, right this, into this, his this, chest last this, night. Tio, this is a this is a great point. Okay. All of these kids, like if you want to, if you want to compare them to all the other Duke guys, so many of them had to change one thing when they get right. And yeah. change one thing. Jay Williams had to become a point guard. Not, you know, and obviously his career was shortened by the by the injury. Um you know, Zion's whole thing is his body, which he hasn't figured out. And he couldn't shoot and he can't shoot. He can't shoot, but, but sh- shooting. Yeah, okay. But that's, but he also had to fix his body. Like that kid sure. doesn't have to fix anything. Like he looks like he's playing at the wrong level. It's like when you walk into an AU tournament and goes, why is that kid playing silver? He should be <laughs> playing gold. Right. Why is he playing a Duke? 
He's going to be playing for the, for the, for the, for the Hornets. Yeah. Um, but so, so Chet, the only thing missing is the body. And I just don't know. Like I, I, I assume most people, you know, but it's not like he's not, and, and he's going to get to where he's getting those man muscles in like the next year or so. And his body will change, but some guys are just forever. But still with a guy, even if he I, does, I, like, I just, the, the only, the guy that kind of more recent, that I, I think is worth at least putting him in the same conversation as is someone like an Evan Mobley, but even Evan Mobley, as skinny as he was at 30 pounds on show. Hey, well, hold on, hold on. He's also got broad shoulders and yes, wider. That, that was the other point. Like, I was gonna make. like, like the like, thing is, when you look at Chet, like I worry, like the only person I can remember coming over as skinny is that Rudy Gobert. And I think that's your comparison kevin durant's not your comparison rudy gobert might be your comparison who can handle it who's smaller that it just worries me that rudy gobert rudy he's that size he's that size so is durant he's durant size he's he's the the body type in this i've seen but but whenever when i was watching kevin durant pull up from half court and talk shit to everybody in the entire complex when they were still in the new orleans i just That he was different. Now it's not no, fair. Like we like we said five minutes ago, it's not fair to compare anybody guys, to Kevin Durant. So, so real quick before we get Billy Donlin in here, I do just want to ask. I, I want your takes on Kansas. Um, Remy Martin, Oshai Baji, David McCormick, uh, Doug. I'm going to start with you. What do you? What's your take on Kansas this season? Um, I I had a good talk with Bill after they played. You know, he, he said you know McCormick's got to be better. I just I think they got a lot out of McCormick last year. You know, I just think he's just okay. Um, but I like, the, I like the makeup of their team. This is much more of a bill team, you know, Remy Martin, you go back and look at when he was at ORU and he was at TU and he used at Illinois, they always had some tweener guard that come in and score. And like, like everybody's talked about, like just drive you freaking crazy. I'll tell you the guy who I like, who they have to get a ton more out of than they did, you know, going back in that game. Um, I like Christian Braun a lot. Yeah, he's, you know, he's bouncy, he's experienced, but you know, they, um, Obaji, I think is their dude. Um, I don't know if they're as deep as some would like them to believe, but when you bring like Mitch Lightfoot, who uh, you would call him Dr. Mitch, he's been there so long, like they have that age and experience. They have some youth, they have some guard scoring. I like them a lot, man. They're a good ass team. And I mean, what he did last year, they basically had like four guys that could play basketball last year and they had, they had no point guard. And so now I think they're better at the point. Um, and Obaji's the dude, but Cormac though, I, I just think he's, he's limited. If you're trying to make him the focal point of your offense, if he's, if he's a fourth best scorer, now you're pretty damn good. If he's your go-to guy, the way they had to feed him last year, I think you're going to struggle because he just doesn't have the explosiveness. He's not really agile. He's a little bit mechanical. I mean, they've made him and he's made himself into a really good college player, but there's just a ceiling there that he bumps into when he goes against the best of the best of the best. So I like their group. I just think people have unrealistic expectations of David McCormick because of how well statistically he played last year, but that was more out of necessity. They had to play slower. They had to play inside out and they just kept feeding him the basketball. And eventually, especially in that league where they didn't have a lot of traditional bigs, I thought he did quite well. Yeah, uh, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, go ahead. but, we, but uh, I'm gonna. we have the man of the hour uh, in the building right now. We have Billy Donovan, uh, Donlin, I asked Billy Donovan, you better be careful. Billy, Don, Billy Donlin, the head coach of Kansas City, the Kangaroos, who went into Columbia tonight and knocked off uh, the University of Missouri. 
And I guess, is he coming in now, Dagan? By the way, I just checked the box scores. Um, UCLA is only up by two on uh, on Long Beach State right now. Coach Dolan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Appreciate you having me on. So uh, you, you guys just went into Missouri and, and picked up a win. How are you feeling right now? How's that bus ride? Got to be pretty happy. Uh, you know, yeah, Rob, you probably don't know this, but on the road, when we win a road game, we get milkshakes on the way home. So, and, and <laughs> Where? Dairy- Hold on. Where uh, did you go to get milkshakes? <laughs> tonight, uh, tonight, Doug, we, we were able to get some blizzards from Dairy Queen because they were open. So it wasn't Milton States. It was blizzards tonight. There you go. Hey, hey Coach, I got to ask you. Uh, Lucas McKay hit me up. He's like, hey, man, you've got to ask about Marvin Nesbitt Jr. He had a heck of a game tonight. What was it? He ended up with 25-4. Uh, and four. He was obviously the bell cow. Big win tonight. But let's talk about him a little bit and how good he was. Yeah, the two Chicago guys, Marvin Nesbitt, uh, who's from the South Side, a really tough area. When he's come through in his life, he's a college graduate. He's in his fifth year. Uh, Evan Gilliard's also from Chicago, transferred to New Mexico State. He had 28, but Marvin was outstanding, both both ends of the floor. And when you guys know this, when you play Missouri, if you can't get get with them on the glass, you have no chance. We only gave up six offensive rebounds one in the first half, and Marv had a lot to do with that. So he was phenomenal. Uh, he's an outstanding young man, uh, plays incredibly hard, fearless. Uh, and you need that when you go to, to a Missouri uh, after getting kind of smoked by Iowa. Uh, you need a, a fearless guy on your team, and we had a couple of those tonight. Billy, you're up, you're up nine at the half, okay? And so everybody's feeling good and they're juiced. You knew they were going to come out and you're playing – we all know how guarantee games work, right? You're playing five out of eight in the second half, right? Nobody wants you to win that game. What would you tell them at halftime? I just told them the same two things, Doug. Like Missouri, it's transition defense and the backboards. And I said, no matter what happens, if you can do that, and then we're a gap team, they like to take you off the dribble. They're yeah. not a great three-point shooting team, so you needed some breaks. They didn't make any tonight. But I just told them continue to defend uh, in transition. Uh, and, and own the backboards. And if you do that, you're going to win the game. And the other thing I said to him is, because you know this too, Doug, I haven't been a great player. Like when you, when you go on the road and you have a lead, at some point you get tight. Yep. You know, like whatever it is, there's a point in the game where you're going to get tight. And I just kept telling him, do not play tight. I'd rather have you shoot shoot a bad shot than play scared and turn it over. And our guys really bought into that and, and believed. When did you know? When did you know? When did you look up and go, we got him? Uh, when the, when the clock hit all zeros, <laughs> uh, coach, I got a question for you. So, um, you guys lost by 15 at Minnesota and lost by 32 at Iowa. What, what changed over the course of the last three or four days? What was it a, a different mindset going in? Was it just, you guys showed up today? What, what happened over the course of the last three days that you got this well, performance as opposed to the other one? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it probably helped us because I do think 18 and 22 year old scoreboard watch. But with 3.30 left at Minnesota, we were down by two. So with 3.30 left at Minnesota, it was a two-point game. And I started coaching, and we got beat 15. So it wasn't <laughs> – and that was, that was a great game. We, we missed a three with five minutes to go to take the lead. Um, and then Iowa, look, you guys follow college basketball. Coach McCaffrey's unbelievable. They, they boat race people in the Big Ten at home. I mean, that's, that's what they do, you know. And, and they score. They're, they're unbelievable because they can score them. You know, back when I was playing and growing up, everybody ran motion. Like you played, you either played in motion, like old school five man motion, no ball screens. It's all you ever saw 25 years ago. And there wasn't as much pick and roll in the college game. 
Now it's almost all pick and roll, and nobody runs motion. These kids, when they grow up, they don't go against motion. And I'm not saying that is a bad thing. Iowa runs motion. Yep. And so we don't see it every day. You don't guard it every day. They play really fast. Uh, and we're missing two starters and a backup. Um, and that hurt us. You know, it, and I think we were also finding our identity of playing without those guys. And our kids had a great practice. We were humbled after Iowa and had a great practice and a couple of days of practice and prepared well for Mizzou. All right. Well, listen, coach, we appreciate the time. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the, the Dairy Queen there. What, what, Wait, is, is he on, hold on. Are you on a, are you on, are you guys on like a fun bus? Is there a stripper no. hole on that bus? I got, what the hell? <laughs> where, where, hey, man. What? Hey, man. Oh, okay. So the blue lights yeah, on no. a regular bus. Yeah, right? I, I got the light. I can't tell with the lights. Now, are they, you know now, now are they all in the back of the bus with the headphones on? Is that what? Yeah, they're the all. Yeah, I'm in the front of the bus. Let us see. Let us see. Let us say hello. There we are. We're on the bus. Fellas, say hello. You're on a podcast. There we go. <laughs> so we're, we're on the bus and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully I get to have some adult time with my, my with my wife tonight. I don't know. She's probably going to be asleep, but we got a two-year-old and an eight-month-old. Uh, but the, mil- the milkshakes after wins is something that when I worked for Coach Brunell, a uh, long time ago at Wilmington, Coach Brownell, it's in Clemson now, uh, that, that we started. And I think it's a great thing. But, yeah, it'll be a nice bus ride home. Um, but I got a peanut – so I, I got a big sweet tooth. I got a peanut butter uh, blizzard. I always get extra topping, though, so extra peanut butter cup. That's the key to the blizzard. You got to get extra topping. Now, you didn't, topping did, you get the, did you get the French fries? You can dip the French fries into the blizzard. <laughs> No, because I don't. I don't do the P ninety X like you, Doug. I can't. I can't add those extra five <laughs> calories. No, you just add an extra topping, but you're big. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do got Doug. I do got to share one story with you that you don't know, and it, okay. it, it, it involves Fran McCaffrey. If you guys, so oh boy, when I when I was coming out of high school, Coach McCaffrey was at Notre Dame, and he calls me up. They were kind of recruiting me or recruiting me. It's true story. They said, "Hey, they said, they said, Billy." We got, a, we got a kid coming in this weekend, and if he doesn't take it, I'm pretty sure you're going to be next. And the kid that came in that weekend was Doug Gottlieb. So he took my, you took my scholarship to Notre Dame. He, and you're he, better- he lie, he's a lion dog. It was me, <laughs> then, then Jeff Billet. He said the same thing with me. Remember, Billet was that year. Yeah, and Billet, he, and Billet, right? Billet was Jersey kid, and he's like, look, you got three weeks, and then Billet's going to visit, and if not, then it's Billy Donlin, and he's going to take this shit. And then – you know, Billet decided he went to Rutgers, and I took the Notre Dame one. That's right, right. right. But I mean, I'll tell you about road, road wins are better than sex because you can't talk about sex with your wife with your friends. You can talk about road wins. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like there's nothing like winning on the road. Winning on the road is special, and I'm happy for Kansas City fans. You know, to beat Missouri uh, makes it a little extra special, and Kansas does a great job. He's a great and our blizzards and really great stuff man that was fun. thanks coach congratulations big win congrats coach big win thank you guys did you hey terrence have you ever lost a guarantee game we lost to charlotte i'm not sure that was a guarantee game though that was with did, did you uh, go play in did you go play in charlotte 
No, they played at home, and then we went the following year. So I guess that wasn't a guarantee game. That was, that was a home and home. Yeah, so we, that was we, the only one. We lost one. to Florida Atlantic. We had an 81-game non-conference home winning streak. We lost to Florida Atlantic. We had beaten Marquette and Hawaii out in Hawaii. We beat TCU when we got back. We are playing UCLA on like a Saturday, my first game coming at home. And like on a Wednesday, we played Florida Atlantic. Yeah. And the late, the late Brooks Thompson, who had just retired from the NBA, was like, I don't know, he's like a grad assistant or something getting his degree. And he gave the sky report. And the sky report was, this is the shittiest team. I swear to God, he goes, this is the shittiest team to ever play on the White Maple. It's White Maple, Florida, at Oklahoma State's oldest surface in the country. Uh. The shittiest, shittiest team to ever play. If you don't, and we used to, coach used to have goals on the whiteboard. And he'd write, and if you don't accomplish these goals, we're going to practice at 7 in the morning next morning. It's really that simple. You know, it's like score over set 80, hold them under, you know, 40% field goal, beat them in the brief, you know, like all these different things. If you don't hit every one of these goals, okay, don't even come in tomorrow. Just turn your shit in. Okay, you're not going to play. <laughs> and then he walked out. Like, that was kind of boy. And they, they had, they played five small guys. We only had four guards eligible. And they beat us on the craziest shit ever. Uh, I got a technical foul, shocker there. Um, <laughs> but it, 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 of any loss, we lost the last game, the old Gallagher to Oklahoma. Those yeah. two losses are the, those are the worst losses of my life. Like to lose it. Like right now, those Conzo's sitting there and everybody's going to be on his ass. And every one of those players knows there's going to be hell to pay. Right. Like you only, but we only think of the big boys when they lose. We never think of the Missouri, Kansas cities and, and the wins. And that's a hell of, I mean, those kids win oh. that game. That's a, that's a career maker. They're going to tell, they're going to tell their kids about it. Time they went up to Missouri. It's huge. It's huge. Went to Mizzou, five on eight. Nobody wants us to win. We got the check, and then went I was out. about to say, like handing the check over after a loss, <laughs> is, like that's brutal. I think they should do that, Doctor. I got a great idea for college basketball. Well, I, hold on, I, I got a, I got a story about that real quick. So uh, I I don't want to say the name of the program, but it was a uh, it was a low major that was playing on the road at uh, at, at it was at Ohio State, right? And this was probably about fifteen years ago. And I don't know who it was on the low major staff that was in charge of taking the actual check and bringing it back to the program with them. But the guy, he took the check and he left and he went to a bank to try to cash it. And he said, I I'm done. My basketball career is over. I'm going to go try to get the $75,000 check. You try to cash the check. Yeah, he went to the bank, tried to cash the check, got arrested. It was, it was I remember something like that happening. That was back when I was playing or something like that. The dude bolted and then like tried to cash a check and then move. See, the here's my, here's my idea, right? I think they should have the coach come out like before the game or after the game, whatever, and get one of those big happy Gilmore. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. Publishers clearing house ones, just go get a big check. And it'll be really cool. Like you win and then you run out with the check. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. Cause people you know, don't know, you know how who much would love that, you know, who would love that the home crowd that just saw their team lose to a team that they paid on. Oh track. my God. Oh my, you know, it'd yeah. be so good. And people don't realize how much money these low majors get paid either. Oh, Like it's, it, it's so much money. It's so much money. Hey, we were talking. We were talking about Duke and and, and uh, Kansas. I want to revert back to that a little bit because I I got to asking questions. But I think the big the best team in the country right now is Gonzaga. Best team. They've got guys coming back. They have a, they're establishing their system. I think the most talented team right now is Duke. I love what Wendell Moore did uh, coming in. Whenever they switched him on Severe Wheeler in the second half of that Champions Classic, and they just said, "Hey guys, help late." And then we're not, we're going to take away some of his passing lanes or passing lanes. 
it was tough. I thought he did a fantastic job. Are they going to be able to shoot it? That scares me. But Paolo and Trevor Keels, I didn't take Trevor Keels into account, Doug. I thought like, man, this kid's 235, 240 pounds. He's a little too heavy. Is he going to be able to keep up? Man, he plays so low to the ground at that size. His talent level is 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 really really good and, and Paolo is just a joke his his spin to the baseline fadeaway away from the double team was like it was exactly what you said why is this kid playing silver he should be playing for the Clippers or something like it was insane it was insane but I think Gonzaga is the best team right now I'm okay with that I'm okay with that but now now the thing about Gonzaga that's interesting Rob and Tio is my last year I was convinced that they're gonna win the whole thing mm. and all these coaches like Baylor, Baylor. I was like, nah, the guy, Gonzaga's got too much firepower. Yeah. And now I'm reverting back to all of my previous thoughts about Gonzaga. Is can they change how you play with their defense? They've never been able to do that. They just, you know, they've never, they've always been so skilled offensively. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the, I mean, like, look, it's the old cliche of defense wins championships. Um, they've never been able to, they've always had to trick you. They've always had to go some zones some boxing one, some man to man. And really a lot of times they play defense just because it's in, in between playing offense, right? How yeah. quickly can we get this shit over with and then right. go back to playing offense where it's beautiful. Cause they can all pass dribble handle, you know, they play together. And so that's my question about this team, because what I did see from UCLA and UCLA does not, you know, they might have one pro on their team. There are some guys that are playing. They just the gave up 45 to Long Beach State and a half. Well, I talked, listen, I talked to Mike Lewis. He was driving home and he's like, I had the scout for this one. Good luck. Who's got the scout for Long Beach State? Because trying to get them up for, you know, and that's yeah. the, that's the, the scheduling thing is like, you got to be really hot, really. Uh, if you have Nova at home, sell out and then like, hey, we at Long Beach State. And this is Long Beach State Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. This, is what, this is what always happens to UCLA. They always lose to a Pepperdine or Long Beach. Or, uh, Fullerton, whatever, Loyola, uh, Marymount, they always, one of these local ones. And you got to be careful who you play in that next game because I don't care how much you sell it as an assistant coach, fucking Long Beach State, right? Like these guys, they would have died <laughs> to play UCLA. We just played Bill and Ove and beat them. Coming off that win, you can't tell anyone on that roster anything, right? No. No, now they do have, I mean, they, they got some hard-nosed kids, but yeah, no. And I'm sure, I'm sure Mick was very calm at halftime. If they gave up 46. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> very, very calm. <laughs> nice and relaxed, having a nice cup of tea. Uh, well, listen. Can I tell Great Mick Corona story? I have, I have, I have an unbelievable Mick Corona. Yeah, I want to, I, I want to yeah. hear it, Rob. I'm going to stay. Here. Okay, I'm all here. Okay. So January 1st of, uh, it was like Mick's first year at Cincinnati. So you guys can go look at the years if you want to Google real quick. Okay, I'm doing Cincinnati Louisville with Tom Brennan. Okay, so <laughs> the legend, so, the legend. So uh, all he wanted to go to was, is it Jack Ruby's? What's that place in Louisville where the guy, that's all he wanted to do is meet this guy, uh, Ruby, who, who owns some famous restaurant in Louisville. And he wanted to meet him because that guy kicked OJ Simpson out of the restaurant. And he's like, I want to shake his hand. So we go to, so, so we walk in to Cincinnati's practice and Cincinnati's practicing at, uh, at Freedom Hall. Okay. This is back when they played Freedom Hall. And we walk in and like there's nobody there except for, you know, there are 12 dudes and, you know, 12 dudes at Cincinnati and mixed first year, first or second year or something. And you got guys like cut off t-shirts and like, 
wearing togs, not wearing, wearing real jerseys, you know, like it, it looks like they're a bad AU team or like some, you know, uh, athletes in action coming to play Louisville the next day. And um, Derek character character or whatever was the center mm. for Louisville. Right. Yeah. yeah. So mixed off practice and he goes, he goes, if you try that shit with character tomorrow, he's going to take this ball. He's going to shove it up your ass. Ain't that right, <laughs> Ain't that right Coach Brennan? And like Tom Brennan's like, whatever you say, Mick, right? right? It was, it was so, it was like the, his intensity was palpable. So we, so one of the managers comes over and like, Hey, uh, you know, coach talked to you at practice. He's my man. How long are you guys going? He's like, shit, man. We, we went two hours in Cincinnati and we've been here an hour and a half. Right? Remember it's new year's Eve. Right? <laughs> so, so then we go over, then we go over to Louisville's practice. They're practicing in their practice facility. And if you were there when Patino was there, he was always mic'd up. There's not a crease on his clothing. I mean, he's, his hair is perfect. All the staff, it's, it's, it's like it's orchestra. You yeah. know, they, bl- they be- buzz the horn, they go to the next drill. They're doing stations. They're doing breakdowns. They got walk-ons to come in and run through the, uh, the Cincinnati's offense. And Rick never raises his voice because he's mic'd up. They're filming it. It's a thing of beauty. Okay, we walk out of the practice and TB calls his son up. He's like, He's like, put everything you got on Louisville. Everything you got. Everything you got. So so, so anyway, so then we go to uh, Rick was, he's like, listen, you you can't sit with us, but we're all going over to, um, I think it was like Ruth's Chris. We're all going to Ruth's Chris for dinner. Players will be there. I'll be there. We'll we'll talk a little bit then. So we go and we sit and we have dinner and there, or maybe it's Morton's. And, and they're at the next table. And Rick comes over, couldn't have been nicer, spent about 15 minutes with us, told us everything we want to know, right? All the players are in shirts and ties. Got, they have to get up, the freshmen have to get up and sing. You know, like everything. You're like, oh my God, like this is a complete mismatch, right? One team looks like the Bad News Bears and is getting mother, <laughs> motherfucked in Cincinnati for two years, for two hours, and then motherfucked again on the trip and then motherfucked when they walk into Louisville, right? <laughs> God is my witness. Go look up the score. Okay. Uh, uh, Louisville beat their ass. Right. And we're sitting there going, and, and Brennan, Tom Brennan's sitting there just sweating his ass off. I'm like, how much did you put on the games? He's like, it's not my money. It's my son's money. I can't believe it. It was hilarious. But it's one of those things where as a broadcaster or, you know, as a writer or pod, whatever, you go to these practices and most times you can tell like this team is going to beat that team. I can just tell. Right. And that one, it fooled us. And I'm like, oh, oh you, you said Louisville won. No, no. Sorry. Cincinnati won the game. OK. <laughs> really? Damn. Yeah. Cincinnati won the game. Won the game. It was one of the more amazing things. But it was it was more the like you walked in and it looked I mean, not, it looked like a prison team. Like it just did. Like nobody's wearing a Cincinnati Bearcat shirt. You know, dudes are dudes are cursing each other. Guys want to fight. And and Mick. <laughs> And, 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 you know, Mick is scared of no human being on earth. Right. And he's getting up in their ass and he's getting onto them and they, he gets the kind of kids that respond to that shit and mm-hmm. their, their, their teams are tough. And now he's got, you know, Jaime, who's just tough as hell. I love that watching that kid play. I mean, yeah, they just, so that, so anyway, this is a way of working back to the, I love Gonzaga, but can they win in a street fight? That's, that's the whole thing. Can they right. win the street fight? One last thing before before we wrap, because we, we were supposed to be done five minutes ago, but when you start right. talking stories about Mick Cronin, then we got to just let it yeah, roll. Take, yeah, we're, I got I to tell you my TV story. So uh, he coached for – My boy. Uh, for, forever. 
forever at uh, at Vermont, right? And Vermont is in a town called Burlington. And right next to Burlington, Vermont is a town called Williston. And in the town of Williston, there is a little bar called CK's. This is Tom Brennan's spot. I know that because I have a buddy who happens to see the DJ at this place, CK's. And CK's is the kind of bar where they have Natty Light on tap, right? It is uh, that kind of establishment. So um, the day that TJ Sorrentine got married, he, uh, the, like Tom Brennan, the whole Vermont team was there. Everyone knows, like, Sorrentine is that from the park? Everyone, everyone knows. Him. So <laughs> after after the wedding, uh, Tom Brennan is like, okay, we, we got I got a spot. I know where we're going for late night. I know where we're going for after for the after party. So they head to CK's. My buddy is the one DJing. So uh, as, as everyone's kind of walking in, he, he he's a big UVM fan. He realizes what's going on, realizes who's here. So about five minutes after they show up, he cuts the music and just plays the audio of the last like 30 seconds off of YouTube of uh, right before he hits that shot. And everyone just kind of stops and waits. And as soon as the shot goes off, boom, insanity. You have beers flying everywhere, cups of water flying everywhere. The, the place was a complete shit show. But uh, yeah, that was that's that's my TV story. He's Wait, like, the, the bar is called CK's? The bar, bar is called CK's. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, next yeah time my, my, my first time, my first time uh, doing a game in Vermont um, was Taylor Coppenrath. They were playing against, uh, they played. Yeah. Well, he was, there, he was, he was the, the score with, with Sorrentine. Um, Coppenrath had come back from a broken wrist early. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were broadcasting. It was me and Dave Repson. we were doing the first ever nationally televised uh, game in Vermont. And we get there, we drive up from, from Hartford and uh, we get there and, and this is the day before a big game. They're playing Maine. And back then, Maine was good. Uh, John Giannini was the coach at Maine. And they chose to never – they didn't double Taylor Coppenrath. And he had like 43 or something. Anyway, but we go there, and Brendan had canceled practice the day before the game. So then we're like, well, where is he? They're like, well, he's at his spot. Where the fuck is his spot? There's some restaurant in Burlington. Uh, do you know what it is? It wasn't CK's. Some no. restaurant – like he didn't even tell anybody where he was or what he was doing. Just everybody like, if you want to see Tom Brown, you go to that restaurant and that's where he is. And sure enough, we show up. He's like, my boy, I knew you'd be there. He told me the night, the night after. The greatest the line he ever had was he goes like, TB, why, why didn't you ever leave Vermont? Right? Like you started winning, like go take a better job and get a bunch of money. Keep your house in Burlington when this winning. He's like, my boy, there's 50 states in the union and I own one of them. <laughs> that's pretty good Wrong point. he told me after uh after they beat syracuse um in the in the first round what was that 2005 uh the next night they had the practice on like a friday and he was like uh they were they were playing in worcester in worcester massachusetts and he yes. went to one of the security guards that was in the building he's like hey where's the best place to get a steak in worcester massachusetts and the guy was like there's no place good. You got to go to Boston, which is like probably an hour and 15 minutes away. So after practice, he gets all the players on the bus and they're yep. like, we're going to Boston. And he goes to the bus driver. Steak take, dinner. take me to a steakhouse in Boston. And boom, take the bus all the way to Boston, have their steak dinner in Boston, take the bus all the way back. He probably canceled practice early on that day too. That's what he does. That's how yes, Tom Brendan operates. Anyways, I didn't know how we went from talking about the best team in college basketball to our best Tom Brendan stories, but that's what happens when you're on the field of 68 after dark. And I finished my uh, my beverage. You never know what's going to end up happening. So for Terrence Oglesby, for Doug Gottlieb, I'm Rob Doster. This was a lot of fun, guys. We're going to have to do this again. Anytime.
Thanks, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.